David said, his goodness and his mercy follow me all the days of my life. Amen. Glory. Thank God that we don't have to chase it down, but it follows us. It chases us down. You may be seated here this morning. Glory, glory. What a beautiful presence of God uh, in this house this morning. And what an honor it is to be here in his presence and in your presence as well. Uh, Martha and I, as she mentioned, we always love coming to Faith Worship Center, uh, love the freedom that there is in this house, and uh, uh, anyone who is within driving distance of this church and you don't have a home church, you'd be a fool to not come and check out Faith Worship Center and pray about it and see if the Lord doesn't want you uh, to be a part of this assembly. You know, it's so important that we gather together as God's people. Uh, the Bible says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more. Uh, the days are evil that we are. As the day is approaching, the days are evil. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think has become a, uh, a stumbling block to the assembly of God's people uh, is, you know, television ministries, media ministries, as wonderful as they are, and they can be a great benefit to you, uh, God never intended, I believe, never intended for that to uh, take the place of assembling together. Amen. Uh, you can't be a part of a church when you're sitting at home on your easy chair. You can get blessed and you can be taught and that's wonderful. Uh, but there's something about being gathering together with God's people. You have opportunity to exercise your gift. You have opportunity through your praise and worship to encourage and exhort the rest of the people of God. Do you realize that your presence in the house of God, in the church, when you come into the house of God and you're full of God's spirit and you're worshiping and you're praising him, that that in itself is exhorting and encouraging the rest of the body. Amen. In fact, you have just as much responsibility to, if I could say it this way, Usher in the presence of God as the worship team, as the pastor, as the preacher, as the minister, whoever is ministering. You have just as much responsibility. And you can fulfill that responsibility by coming to the house of God, worshiping God, opening your mouth, giving him praise, give someone a hug, show him some love. Man, that's, that's what church is to be all about. Amen? Amen. So what a pleasure it is to be here you know, uh, Asher and uh, uh, Greg were giving, uh, sharing some things about Columbia. And, you know, one of the things that stands out to me, and you know how Greg, he's a little, you know, he's a little excited. You know, he, <laughs> he, uh, he loves to express himself. And, uh, well, he was shouting so much that he, he lost his voice. And, and Asher asked him to come up and, and just greet the people and just encourage them. <laughs> Poor guy, he just didn't have any voice, man. He gets up, hallelujah. <laughs> didn't quite have the pop that it normally has, you know. <laughs> but he did the best he could. But it was still, you know, it was still exciting. <laughs> Amen. We had a great time there uh, in the Lord. Praise God. So, uh, blessing to be here. We've got some uh, music CDs, Martha's three of her CDs. Uh, most of you probably have them. I've got a teaching CD there uh, on prayer. So if you don't have that, take a look at it. It might be a blessing 
uh, to you. You know, ever since Martha and I, we, we stepped out and uh, felt that the Lord wanted us together to be able to travel uh, and minister together. And, you know, and I just want to testify of the goodness of God in, in providing for us and meeting our needs. And uh, many of the people that, uh, that we come in contact with and we have developed relationship with, they uh, are supporting our ministry. And uh, what a blessing that it is. Uh, we couldn't do what we do without the support uh, of God's people. And uh, we just thank the Lord for that. There was a, a dear sister that was here the first two nights that uh, she monthly uh, supports our ministry. And, uh, man, it's people like that, that that keep us going and keep us, cause us to be able to be able to do what God has called us to do. So we're, we've just been so blown away by the faithfulness uh, of the Lord to, to meet our needs. He's good. Amen. He's good. We say amen. We serve a good, good father. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to Ephesians in chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to preach to you a message that I may have even preached it here before. I've preached it in several different places. Sometimes the Lord will give you a message that you know that it's, it's, it's a profound message, and you know that you will be preaching it uh, in many places uh, that you go. And, and this is one of them. And, uh, and I feel that this is what the Lord has directed me to. Ephesians in chapter 5. And, uh, and I'm going to begin reading uh, in verse 14. The Bible says, Wherefore, he says, Awake, you that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Make a mental note of that statement there. I'm probably going to go back to it toward the end. Walking circumspectly, okay? Uh, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. And the, the literal meaning of that is this. It means to be being filled, but it also means this, more, uh, a more powerful expression, is to be controlled moment by moment by the Spirit of God. And, you know, that is the type of life that God has called us to live as Christians to be, be being filled, in other words, continually living a spirit-filled life, a spirit-controlled life, moment by moment. Not sporadically, not just when you're in church or in the prayer meeting or in certain times of our lives, but to constantly and continually be controlled by the Spirit of God. And, you know, the sad thing is, is that most Christians are trying to live the Christian life without being controlled by his spirit, without being continually filled with the spirit of God. And you can't do it. You cannot live the Christian life 
according to your own strength and according to your own ability. You do not have what it takes. But yet most Christians, that is what they are attempting to do. They, they read the word of God. They see the requirements. They see commands. They see what God desires of them. And then they set out in the strength of their own flesh to try to fulfill these requests, commands, and exhortations in the word of God. And the reality is you cannot do it. Amen. And that's why most Christians are frustrated. And that's why many even give up. Because they see the requirement of God, they see the command of God, and they set out to try to obey that, and they fail time and time again. And then what happens is we get discouraged and we throw up our hands and we just say, I can't live this life. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. Well, the reality is, no, you don't have what it takes. But if you live the Christian life, by the Spirit of God, Amen. being controlled by His Spirit, being led by His Spirit. As Paul says, walking in the Spirit, walking after the Spirit. Then Christianity, my friend, becomes, I'll say easy. I don't know if it's easy, but it becomes possible. Amen. And there's rest and there's, there's God's enablement in it, all right? God never gives a command that he does not give you the ability to fulfill that command. So whenever you see a command in the word of God, whether it be to love one another, uh, a command to pray, uh, a command to good works, or whatever it may be, God never gives you that command without, first of all, giving you what you need and the ability to fulfill that command. And that's when it's done with meaning and purpose, with impetus, with power, with fulfillment, and with rest when you do it God, God's way. He's given us everything that we need. He's given us his spirit. But why is it that most Christians and even, even Pentecostals, Pentecostals who have had a valid experience of not only being born again, because when you're born again, you have the Spirit of God, but being baptized with the Holy Spirit. You've had a valid experience. You maybe came to this altar. Someone laid hands on you. You spoke with tongue. Maybe you fell out in the Spirit. I mean, it was a valid, powerful experience. But even with that, that does not mean that you are moment by moment, day by day, continually living a spirit-filled life. Amen. And, and, and that's the, uh, the deceiving thing or the deceitful thing about that is we think, well, I've had the experience and I've spoke with tongues, and occasionally I do speak with tongues, but yet I'm finding I'm still living a defeated life. I'm not, I'm not fulfilling what God requires of me and desires of me. So what is going on? I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, the problem is, is you're not living that Spirit-filled life on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And there's only one way that you can do that. And the reason why I can say that most Pentecostals 
are not living spirit-filled lives is because most Pentecostals don't know how to live for God. Most Pentecostals don't know how to maintain, how to live a continual spirit-filled life. Because if you don't know how to live for God, it is legally, in the eyes of God, in the kingdom of God, it is legally impossible for you to live a spirit-led, spirit-controlled life. It cannot happen if you don't know how to live for God and how to walk with God. And my prayer here today is that you will have a deeper understanding of how to and what it is to live a spirit-led, spirit-controlled life. Paul says here, be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be being filled with the spirit. And as a result of us being filled continually by the Spirit of God, we see here many things in our lives that are a fruit of. You see, everything after that statement is in reality a fruit of living a Spirit-controlled life. And I'm going to ask you here this morning as we travel through these, and I won't be able to go through them in depth, but as we touch on them, I'm going to ask you to examine yourself and see whether this fruit of a spirit-filled life is evident within you, within your individual life. The first thing he says here in the following verse, speaking to yourselves, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So the first thing that Paul deals with here as far as a fruit of a spirit-controlled life is you will live a life of praise and worship. Not only when you come into the house of God, but in your individual lives, you will find that you are making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see, when the Spirit of God is in you and overflowing in your life, there's going to be a praise on your lips. There's going to be a worship in your heart. You're going to be driving down the road in your car by yourself, and you're going to be praying in tongues, and you're going to be praising God. And it's not even always necessarily has to be audibly or verbally because you can't always do that, but it's always rising up in you. It's always there. You're laying in your bed at night, and there is a praise on your lips. You come into the house of God, as I mentioned last night, and, man, you're ready to worship God because you're full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of the Spirit of God. And when you, amen. And when you gather together with God's people and the worship is anointed, my goodness, that is perfect opportunity for you to lift up holy hands to the Lord and offer to him the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks unto his name. Amen. And if you can't do that, my friend, If that is something that you have a difficult time doing, you can't do it, and when you do do it, it's just flesh, then you might want to examine yourself 
and she, whether you are living a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled life. As Paul said, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. You see, because if you're living in the faith, the faith of the Son of God, if you have your faith in the right place, if you've surrendered, as we've talked about the last couple of nights, you have surrendered to the redemption plan of God, you have yielded yourself unto God as one who is alive from the dead, then the result of that legally is that the Holy Spirit will fill you to overflowing. I've said this before, I believe in this house, that when you know how to live for God and you live according to God's law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the Holy Ghost will be all over you. You won't have to try to pray it up, conjure it up, you know, hope that it's there. No, or that he is there. No. When you order your behavior according to God's prescribed order, which is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, according to what he did on the cross, the automatic result is that the Holy Spirit will be all over you, in you, overflowing in your heart and in your life. Amen. I'm not trying to hype you here today to try to get you to respond a certain way. I'm trying to instruct you and teach you how you can allow the Spirit of God to have the liberty in your life that you should desire for Him to have. Not according to how much you pray. Well, if I pray an hour a day, then the Spirit of God will have his and prayer. A prayer an hour a day will do you some real good. But that does not mean that because you do that, that you will be living a spirit-filled life. Reading your Bible, that's good. Attending church, being faithful to that, that's good. You need to do that. But that does not mean that the Spirit of God will have control in your life. You see, I believe that as Pentecostals, we have... Uh, uh, been an error in that we promote quickenings of God's spirit. And we say it, and I've, I've heard it said here, and I've said it as well, there's nothing wrong with it, that we want the spirit of God to touch you. There's nothing wrong with that. I want the spirit of God to touch you. But more than that, I want you to live in the spirit of God. I want you to walk in the Spirit of God. I want you to experience the touch and the loving hands of your Heavenly Father and the Spirit of God enveloping you on a continual basis. I don't want you to depend upon a Sunday morning church service that you get a touch from God. I want more than a touch. Well, maybe you're greedy. Well, maybe I am. I don't want just a touch from God. I want all of God that I can have. Amen. Hallelujah. I want all of the Spirit of God that I can walk in in this dispensation of grace that we are living in. And I hope there's a few here today that you want that as well. And God has provided a way and a means for you to have that and for you to walk in that. And that's according to your faith and where you have that placed. So the first thing that we see here that Paul lays out is a lifestyle. Examine yourself 
today? Are you living a lifestyle? Are you making melody in your heart to the Lord? That speaks of personal praise. And are you, are you offering that, that sacrifice of praise or the way that he words it here, uh, hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in you? So we have corporate worship. We have personal worship. That is a fruit, a fruit, listen to me, a fruit of a spirit-filled Spirit control life. And then he says in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord. Do you have a thankful heart? Are you thankful to the Lord? You say, well, man, you don't know what's going on in my life. I got everything going crazy and, you know, I don't have the money that I want, I need. I lost my job, uh, my relationship with my wife, my husband, my children. is not. I mean, it's bad. It's horrible. Well, you still have something to thank God for. You see, when we recognize that our means of thanksgiving or the impetus of our thanksgiving, our praise, and our worship is not according to our circumstances and what's going on in our lives, our praise, our thanksgiving, and our worship is based on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you have more trust and faith and you are fulfilled in Christ and by what he did for you on the cross, the more that you will be able to worship God and thank God and praise God no matter what you're going through. Amen. You can put on that garment of praise with a spirit of heaviness. You see, I used to fall into that category of, well, man, I'm going through a lot and you know, and, and, and that's why I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm not praising God the way that I should. And I'd come into church and, and you know, I just kind of felt like, well, I have a good reason. I have a good excuse. I'm, I'm going through a wilderness. I'm going through a dark time, going through a, a, a desert, you know, and, and God will understand. Well, the, God, the Lord had to speak to me and tell me that, no, I don't understand. And I'm not pleased with that because you always have something to thank me for and to praise me for. My son. And what he did on the cross of Calvary. That's your basis of praise. My friend, when you have that, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You always have a praise. You can always give thanksgiving to him. That is a fruit of the Spirit of God. Giving thanks always for all things. And then we get into where the rubber meets the road. Submitting yourselves one to another. Spirit-filled Spirit-controlled believers submit to one another. They don't argue. They don't strive. They're not jealous. You see, that word, I looked up that word submit. You know what it means? It means to love and to serve. How much harmony and how beautiful would it be in the body of Christ if everyone had the mentality of, you know what, my responsibility to you, 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 everyone in this is to love you and to serve you. That's what it means to submit. And then they have the same mindset. So then you know what happens when everybody's loving and everybody's serving one another. Everyone's needs are met. Everyone's fulfilled. There's not envy. There's not jealousy. There's not strife because my responsibility to you is to love you and to serve you. And your responsibility to me is to love me and serve me. Man, that's beautiful. Amen. Amen. 
But you can't do that without being spirit-filled because we are selfish. Uh, if we're depending upon our carnal man, there's envy, there's strife, there's all of these evil, wicked things of the flesh. That's what Paul said to the believers in Corinth. He said, I cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but you're carnal. Because they're not envying and strife. They were, you know, elevating and looking at other preachers and it's just a, a sign of someone who is not spirit-controlled and spirit-filled. So submitting yourselves one to another. Then it gets even deeper where the rubber really meets the road in your marriage relationship. If you're not spirit-controlled, my friend, moment by moment, your marriage is going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. Those of you who aren't married, take note. I'm looking that way. You'll really know who you are when you're connected with that person that is the most intimate and close to you. You're really going to know how spirit-filled you really are. <laughs> but the responsibility of wives to their husbands is to submit to their husbands, to love and to serve. You say, well, what, that, you know, the husband doesn't have to uh, do that either. Well, no, you go back to the previous verse. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we submit to one another. But there is a responsibility to the wife to submit to, to love and to serve uh, the husband, according to the exhortation uh, of the Apostle Paul here. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Ladies, you cannot do that without the power of God's Spirit. Because sometimes your man just don't act right sometimes. And I'm not advocating that you submit to... <laughs> Amen. I'm not advocating that you submit to ungodliness and things that are, you know, just wrong. No, you don't submit to that. But uh, none of us men are perfect, even the best of us, whoever that may be, who love God with all of our hearts. Sometimes we just do a whole lot of stupid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you ladies, you cannot submit to it's, or it's difficult. Uh, you're not going to be able to do that without the Spirit of God. So we need that where the rubber meets the road in these relationships. Then he goes on to explain it for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, so on and so forth. Uh, and then he goes down here in verse 25, and this is your responsibility, spirit-filled husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and laid down his life for it, for her. Let me ask you, husbands, are you laying down your lives for your wives? I'm talking about on a daily basis. You see, if you're not spirit-filled, you're selfish. You're like, oh, you're, you're there to meet my needs. But are you continually laying your life? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, yeah, I'd take a bullet for my wife anytime. Well, you're probably not going to have to take a bullet for your wife. But hopefully you're mad enough. If you did, you would at least do that. But I'm talking about the more difficult thing. The more difficult thing than taking a bullet for your wife is every day, every day, are you laying your life down for your wife? Are you concerned about her well-being? Honey, I just want to make this better for you. I just want to be there for you. I want to do this for you. Practical ways. Let me do those dishes. I do that, don't I, honey? I'll give you that $100 after service for saying that. <laughs> Every day, 
activities of life of laying our lives down for our wives, loving them to the place to where uh, we prefer them above ourselves constantly. And that's, that's not our nature, men. You know that. But by the Spirit of God, you can do that. That's a fruit of being, living a Spirit-filled life, my friend. You, I'm, I'm telling you, the married, the married life without the Holy Ghost, without the power of God's Spirit, is, can be and will be, most likely, well, I'm going to say it will be, miserable. And I've heard from others, thank God that I haven't had to experience this, but marriage outside of the will of God and marriage when you're not led by the Spirit of God, it can be a hell on earth. It can be the most blessed thing or it can be the most difficult thing. But when you do it God's way, when you do it as one who is led by the Spirit of God, filled by the Spirit of God, then it becomes something that is fulfilling, wonderful, and powerful. I've found that over the years as I grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, that more and more uh, I'm able to do that for my wife. You know, uh, I think of, I've come a long way, haven't I, in 30 years? You know, I mean, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> you were hurting at the beginning. <laughs> but the truth be told, huh? But I remember, you know, the selfishness, and I didn't know it, I didn't realize it, but selfishness that was there. But as I've learned how to walk with God and how to live a spirit-filled life, more and more, it's just, it's, it's easy. I just, you know, it's easy for me to uh, be what I need to be for my wife and, and to lay down my life uh, for her. And I'm not saying that I've arrived and I do it perfectly, but uh, I can testify of the way that it is without being full of the Spirit on a continual basis, and then being full of God's Spirit and allowing the Lord to love and allowing the Lord to help you to be the husband uh, that he's called you to be. That's a fruit. That's a fruit of the Spirit-controlled life. And Paul goes through several things here. He goes through relationships with he uses uh, slaves and, and masters. Of course, we don't deal with that, but... We could uh, apply that to employees and employers. All right, that's where the rubber meets the road, too. You're, if you have a job somewhere, uh, you're having to submit to that boss for eight hours in a day or whatever it is. Uh, that's a big part of your life. The fruit of a spirit-filled life is are you being the employee that God wants you to be? Are you a good employee? Are you, are you as Paul would say here, are you one that just uh, for eye service, you know, you just want to perform so that your boss will, you know, look at you and say, what a wonderful employee. But when he's not looking, you're, you're not fulfilling your responsibilities. You're not doing what you are uh, responsible for. A spirit-filled believer will, no matter what, because you're doing what you do, you do it as unto the Lord. So what I'm talking about here, very simply, is this. I'm talking about a lifestyle. A lifestyle of being full of God's Spirit. And as I said, God operates, He operates according to laws, laws. And His Spirit cannot, is, is hindered and grieved when we don't live according to the law that God has set in motion according to the new covenant, 
When we don't live according to that, which is, as I mentioned it a moment ago, the law of the spirit of life, Romans 8 and 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, if we don't live and align ourselves with the Lord according to that law of the new covenant of the kingdom of God, then the spirit of God will not be able to work in our lives the way that he desires to work in our lives. And that's how most Christians are attempting to serve God in the flesh. We depend on a quickening every now and then, whether it be in a church service, in a prayer meeting, whatever it may be, we depend upon that rather than depending upon the Holy Spirit on a continual basis to help us. He's there to help you and everything. I think maybe the problem is we don't realize how much help we need. You know, we, we think that we can do it. You can't do it, my friend. You do not have what it takes. We have to recognize how bad our situation is. I mean, it's bad. The clinging vines of the fall, the sin nature that we have. Jesus, or Paul said there's no one righteous, no, not one. I mean, it's, it's bad. The situation is bad. Our hearts and, and, and the state of our being outside of Christ, my friend, it is uglier than any of you can even think of and imagine. Jesus said, out of the heart of man proceeds adulteries and fornications and thefts and a whole list of, of works of the flesh and evil that on a continual basis comes forth out of our hearts. That's how bad it is. The heart of man is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? It's bad. And along with having a revelation of the cross, we need to have a revelation of how bad it really is. Paul had that revelation. He said, in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. If you can stand up and say, well, I got some good in me. I can perform to a certain extent. Then, my friend, you haven't had it. If you can't say, oh, wretched man that I am, woman, whichever gender you are, and there's only two, by the way, regardless of what you hear from everyone else, amen. If you cut certain body parts off, then you're just a mutilated man and a mutilated woman. There's only two. But... We must recognize that within our hearts and within our lives, if we're left to our own devices, that there is nothing good within us. We need the power of God, folks. And along with a revelation of the cross, we need to have a revelation of, oh, wretched man that I am. That's what Paul had. And then he would say, he would declare, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. What he was saying is this, I've found the answer. It's through Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. I'll close with this. Going back to that verse that I asked you to make a mental note of in verse 15 when Paul said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word cir circumspectly, it means to walk in an upright manner, to walk straightly, perfectly. Uh, walk exactly. You see, we automatically, when we read something like that, automatically our minds go to our performance. 
what we do. But what Paul is meaning here is he's saying, walk according to the way that God has provided in his covenant. That's what it means to walk circumspectly. That's what it means to, as he says here, to uh, awake thou that sleepeth. You're sleeping spiritually. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. It means to walk in the light of the revelation of who he is. Walk according to the new covenant circumspectly in an upright manner. God is not depending upon our performance. He wants us to believe what he has provided and what he has given for us in his covenant. Amen. And as a result, as a result of us believing that and walking in that, then our behavior will change. See, we get it all backwards. We're trying to change our behavior so that God will accept us. God's trying to get us to believe his covenant, Christ, and what he provided on the cross. So then our behavior will change. So Paul is saying walk circumspectly. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, the first uh, three chapters deals with our position in Christ. And until you understand your position in Christ, you're not going to be able to walk out Christianity, the instructions that Paul gives in the following verses. You're not going to be able to walk properly. You're not going to be able to defend yourself against the enemy as we see in Ephesians chapter 6. You've got to understand, first of all, your position in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. Then as a result of that, then as a result of that, then you can live a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled life. Then as a result of living by the power of God's spirit, you can submit to one another. You can live a lifestyle of praise and worship husbands. You can love your wives like Christ loved the church. You'll be everything that God requires of you and desires of you, and you're doing it by the power of God's Spirit. Amen. That's Christianity. And our big failure is that we're trying to do it in the flesh. We're trying to live this life by the strength of our own flesh. And all that we're doing is we're frustrating the grace of God. That means we're cutting off the grace of God. And you need his grace, my friend. If you don't have his grace, you can't live this life. We need his grace more than any of us know and even understand. God, give us a revelation of how much we need the grace of God. So I exhort you this morning, be being filled. Not something you can work up yourself, you can pray enough to do it or whatever, perform or go to church enough. That's not the idea. The idea is walk circumspectly. Walk according to the manner that God has provided for you. Walk according to the covenant. Walk according to the kingdom of God. According to what Christ has provided for you and given to you. And if you'll do that, my friend, automatically, man, the Spirit of God will be all over you. Oh, hallelujah. That's a glorious Christian life when you have God's Spirit overflowing in your life. When your cup is running over, amen? When the Lord, your shepherd, is leading you and guiding you. Hallelujah.
and your cup is running over, overflowing with his presence and his power and his glory. That's when Christianity is exciting. That's when it's possible. Because it's impossible any other way. Praise God. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for what you've given to us, Lord, that you have laid out in your word, Lord, what we need and how we are to walk this walk and live this life, Lord. That it is according to the covenant that your son came to establish and ratify, that he paid such a great price for laying his life down, shedding his blood, his body broken, that we may be in covenant with you that we may be able to walk according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and live spirit-controlled, spirit-filled lives on a moment-by-moment basis. Thank you for what you've given to us, Lord. And Father, I pray for these, your people, that you will give them a greater, a greater revelation, a greater understanding that you would open up the eyes of their understanding, open up the eyes of their heart, O God, and grant them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Son of the living God. Make the cross more real to us, O God. Help us to understand this covenant, O Lord. Anoint our eyes with salve that we may see and give us ears that we may hear, O God. Lord, that we can live the Spirit-filled lives on a moment-by-moment basis, controlled by your Spirit that you not only desire, but you require of us, O God. Lord, we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. We'll say it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.